Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op, offering fuel, food, and drinks on Highway 13. Arcola Co-op, you're at home here. Today we have details on a new farm course being offered at Saskatchewan Polytechnique in Moose Jaw. It's a hands-on course that begins next September. FCC launches its annual October food bank drive called Drive Away Hunger with an ambitious goal. Real Agriculture looks at application of anhydrous ammonia fertilizer. We have a report on food insecurity in Canada and take a look at the weekly cattle market update from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Saskatchewan Polytechnic will be starting a new three-year agriculture and food production program to be located at the Moose Jaw Campus. Classes will begin one year from now in September 2022. The program will include classroom study, hands-on application occurring on a 12-acre parcel of land near Moose Jaw, as well as three paid cooperative work terms at agricultural businesses or on-farm. Jamie Hiltz is the SAS Polytechnic Dean of the School of Mining, Energy and Manufacturing, as well as the School of Natural Resources and Built Environment. Hilt says this diploma program is different from the one that has been offered at the University of Saskatchewan for many years. We did not want to be redundant to the University of Saskatchewan's programs. Obviously, the U of S has a very, very long track record in agriculture and a very effective one over the, over the years. So we don't, we don't want to do anything at all that um, encroaches upon that. Our, our focus is more in terms of being able to provide an educational opportunity for learners in a variety of pathways and not so specific as the diploma programs at the University of Saskatchewan. So ours are a little bit more broad in the areas of the use of technology, uh, some courses in, in the field of agribusiness, but again, a lot more work with the equipment, precision agriculture, the technologies, and working again with more of the hands-on application of the farming industry and agricultural industry. Hiltz outlines more details of the course. So they're going to have exposure to learning about everything from meteorology to hands-on work within irrigation systems to working with pieces of farm equipment to understand how precision agriculture works and the technology that's associated with that uh, actually does drive uh, data analytics 
to working uh, on um, potential livestock operations and, and range management uh, with, with livestock to working within the, again, application of soils work, agronomy work, agrology work, and being able to look at and understand the values of uh, such things as pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and, uh, and fertilizer, and how they can actually um, enhance the growing operation within a farming operation. There will also be hands-on training. Well, one of the things that we really wanted to work on was, was that opportunity for students who may not have had a, a wide background or, e- or even really any experience at all working or, uh, or being on a farm uh, in Saskatchewan. So our, our hope is that whether a student uh, has grown up in a city or a small town in Saskatchewan or on a farm, that we will actually be able to provide a couple of opportunities for him or her to be able to learn. One, one will be the fact that uh, our learners will have exposure to working on our um, farm operation, which will be a 12-acre operation in the Moose Jaw area where students will be able to work on pieces of equipment, learn about the various operations or systems within equipment, such as fuel systems, lubrication systems. They're also going to be able to have opportunities to learn more about the industry by participating in one of the three different uh, co-op experiences that they'll go through during their program. Hiltz outlines the co-op education programs. They could be working with an ag equipment dealer and, and supporting the overall technology that goes along with that to working with a consulting company to working in a ag marketing or business industry to working on uh, ag commercial outlets to positions within a horticulture or greenhouse operation, doing research with one of the provincial research enterprises, and hopefully students will participate with uh, you know medium and large-scale farming operations throughout the province as well. Hilt says these work terms are earn while you learn. No, this is a paid term. It gives a student an opportunity to earn while they learn. It gives them an opportunity to take a lot of the theoretical work that they've learned in the classroom and applied into the workplace, or even to be able to take some of those skill sets that they've learned from the experience that they'd have on our farm site and be able to apply it into a larger scale operation. So, so really the intent again is to earn while you learn and also give the uh, potential employer down the road an opportunity to see the value that these particular students and potential graduates will be able to bring to his or her enterprise within the, uh, the ag industry. Hilt says a lot of research has gone into developing the program. So we've looked at everything from you know, what kinds of careers are needed out there to where labor shortages either exist today or will exist in the future. We've also done analysis in terms of gaining an understanding about how many students from Saskatchewan will take ag programs of this nature in Alberta or Manitoba. And also looking at the fact of what can we do as, as a uh, program to provide opportunities for students upon graduation, you know, to continue on with their education. So we've also looked at um, four or five other institutions that we'll be working with to provide laddering or transfer opportunities for students to, to move on to complete further credentials and or degrees. There will be room for 30 students with classes beginning next September. Applications will be accepted starting late next week. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eavestroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroffs.ca And Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. 
Regina-based Farm Credit Canada has set an ambitious goal to expand its drive-away hunger campaign in support of food banks across the nation. The manager of community investment, Carla Warnica, says the goal is to provide 20 million meals for food banks across Canada. Yeah, Drive-Away Hunger um, has evolved somewhat absolutely because of the pandemic. So for those who aren't familiar, Drive-Away Hunger brings together the people who grow, produce and distribute food in Canada to um, help those who are in need. So this year we have an aspirational goal of collecting 20 million meals. That's quite a bit more than we've ever aspired to collect. But we're really confident that by bringing the industry together, we can achieve that goal. What was the goal, say, last year? How much is that higher? Well, last year we raised 17 million meals. That was also exceeded our expectations, and, and it happened despite the pandemic, and we had, you know, and the shifts we needed to make in the program as a result. So how do you raise this? Who donates what and where? It's very much about, you know, the industry coming together. So we're looking at, you know, gathering everyone in the Canada's food value chain from producers and processors to manufacturers and distributors coming together to really donate, whether it's cash or product that they have available. It's the whole industry coming together to do this and people in communities across the country as well. So this is right across the country for food banks. It's it's a big fundraiser? It is. It's really about you're raising as much food and money as we can for food banks and feeding programs across the country. So 100% of people's donations, if you donate as an individual and or an organization, the entire donation will go to the food bank of your choice. So you can choose to support, you know, locally, provincially or nationally. And we'll also be supporting school feeding programs again this year with a $200,000 donation. So uh, 200 schools will receive $1,000 towards your school feeding programs. And 100 of those schools will be those that serve Indigenous children as well this year. So FCC has a major investment itself in the Drive Away Hunger campaign. We do. You know, this is our 18th year of doing it. And so far we've raised 18 million meals, but we certainly haven't done it alone. Quite the contrary. It is really about this amazing industry that we're part of coming together to help. You know, the agriculture and food industry provides Canada with that strong and reliable food value chain. And we're in we're in the perfect position to promote food security in Canada and work together to really serve the industry, serve communities, serve the planet. There's so much we can do when we all pull together to do that. And we've seen that happen year over year over year and are so excited to see it happen in an even bigger way this year. You know, the pandemic showed us, Jim, that we, you know, the traditional tractor tours and things we did in the past, we weren't able to do them last year and the year before because of the restrictions locally. But what we found was it wasn't having a negative impact on the numbers, quite the contrary. The industry pulled, still pulled together and those partners still came and showed up in a big way to provide a lot of food and money for food banks and feeding programs. So we were able to raise even more money than we had in the past. How big is the need? It's growing all the time. Unfortunately, you know, food banks and feeding programs everywhere do, the need is high. The pandemic has definitely impacted that. Food prices have impacted that. So we do see that the need is out there and, you know, we're really encouraging everyone to come together and help. You've already received some matching donations or support? We've received support. You know, people, we've got people in the industry who give year-round. So we, yeah, we've been collecting donations for some time now. And anyone who's interested in making a donation can go to www.drivealwayhunger.ca and you can donate food there. You can donate money there, however you'd like to do it. You can get in touch with, with FCC and we can help you manage that donation if you're not sure just how to do it, especially if, you know, big organizations or producers are looking. They've got extra they want to donate. They can get in touch with us that way and we can help them do that.
just, you know, I encourage everyone to get involved, whether you're part of Canada's food value chain or some uh, individual local in a community. If you're in a position to help, the need is high. We would so appreciate anyone and everyone getting involved. So going to www.drivewayhunger.ca and making a donation, again, 100% of your donation will go to the food bank or feeding program of your choice. Is there any deadline on the donation time? Well, we're going to be taking donations up until the end of January, and we're going to be announcing the total this year at Canada's Agriculture Day. So that's on February 22nd. So we thought that's the perfect time to celebrate how the industries come together by making the announcement of all we've raised together on Canada's Agriculture Day. So February 22nd is when we'll hear the, the results. Carla Warnica is the Manager of Community Investment at Regina-based Farm Credit Canada. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. I'm Lara Demozak, and welcome to realagriculture.com. Today, I'm speaking to Dr. Jeff Shano, Professor of Soil Fertility and Strategic Research Chair at the University of Saskatchewan. With fertilizer prices where they're at and with uncertainty for, for next year, I think anhydrous applications are, are an attractive option. Yeah, so I think when we're using anhydrous ammonia, one of the considerations to maximize the efficiency is making sure that that ammonia gas is retained in the soil and converted into ammonium ions. And once it's in ammonium ion form, then it's held on the soil particles and it's in a form available for the plants to to use. And the way that that ammonia gas gets converted into ammonium ions in the soil is by reacting with water and other proton donors. So what we're really dealing with this fall is some pretty dry soils. And really what that means is that we are looking at going deeper uh, in order to uh, ensure that that ammonia gas has the opportunity to react with some water and be converted to ammonium ions before it reaches the soil surface and gases off. So as a general rule and what the past research work has shown is that when you have dry soils, you do need to go deeper to uh, uh, get down to that moisture and also to help uh, give that ammonia an opportunity to react with water before it it reaches the, the surface. So should a nitrification inhibitor be used in a year like this? Well, I think uh, nitrification inhibitors uh, uh, stop for a period of time the conversion of the ammonium to the more easily lost nitrate form. And certainly the losses of of nitrate are accentuated under high moisture conditions when soils are very wet through denitrification and also potentially uh, leaching. Now, even though the soils are are quite dry, uh, there's moisture down deep so that uh, uh, nitrification of the ammonium conversion to nitrate may take place in the fall, especially if the fall is warm. And as a consequence, uh, uh, we may want to keep that nitrogen in that ammonium form, I think, if we're applying in the fall, especially earlier fall applications when the soil is warm that favors that nitrification process and if there's some moisture there. So I think nitrification inhibitors uh, can be a benefit in fall application and certainly have been shown to be uh, because they keep that nitrogen in the ammonium form and reduce the uh, risk of, uh, of losing that nitrate uh, in uh, 
later on in the fall when the soils are wet or early spring, uh, those are our peak periods when we can lose that nitrogen uh, via denitrification of the nitrate. And that kind of segues really well into the next question is if it's better to apply in the fall or in the spring? Well, I think uh, you need to be thinking in fall applications, making sure that the soil has cooled down. Uh, if you're not using a nitrification inhibitor, uh, cooler soils uh, will tend to slow that rate of, uh, of conversion of ammonium to nitrate, the easily lost form. And so we tend to like to make fall applications of anhydrous ammonia, for example, uh, when the soil has cooled off, for example, below about 10 degrees uh, centigrade. And indeed, if you go back into the, the research literature, uh, fall applications of anhydrous ammonia uh, made later in the fall have shown to be just about as efficient as spring applications. So how cold is too cold to apply? Well, I guess, you know, in thinking about, about the structure of the soil, that also influences the uh, retention of ammonia in the soil. When the soil is very dry, for example, uh, that soil can, in the case especially of, of low organic matter soils that are, are poorly structured, high clay content that may come up very dry as big lumps, that's going to increase the potential for loss, gassing off of ammonia, because you've got really big pore spaces there uh, that allow that uh, ammonia gas uh, a direct pathway up to the surface and be lost. And I guess if we think think also about frozen soils, if there's moisture there and the soil is frozen, you get out there and you go in with a, with an applicator knife, uh, that soil will, uh, when that soil's frozen, tend to also come up in uh, rather big lumps of frozen soil, uh, especially in the early morning when that soil's still frozen. And uh, that can also increase the potential for the loss of ammonia. And of course, if the soil is frozen as well, there's not a lot of good opportunity for that uh, ammonia gas to react with, uh, with, with the liquid water it needs to to be converted to ammonium ions. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Cloudy, rain beginning this afternoon. We have a special weather statement from Environment Canada talking about an incoming Colorado low. Wind north 30, gusting to 50. The high today, 5 degrees. Tonight, 5 millimeters of rain mixed with snow. The low, plus 1. Tomorrow, rain mixed with snow early in the morning, wind northwest 30, gusting to 50, the high plus 4 tomorrow, the low minus 4. Friday is supposed to turn sunny and milder with a high of 13, the low 0. Saturday, sunny, the high 15, the low plus 2. Sunday, sunny, the high 21, the low plus 3. Monday, sunny, the high 12, the low minus 3. Tuesday, sunny, the high 8 degrees. Normal high is 11. For this date, the normal low is minus 2. The sun rose at 7.18 this morning. It sets at 6.11 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is up north at Stony Rapids, 8 degrees. The cold spot in the southwest corner at Cypress Hills, minus 1. Estevan is plus 2. Saskatoon, plus 4. Swift Current, 4. Weyburn, 2. Yorkton is 5. Regina, cloudy and 4, that's 39 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the northeast at 13. 
Humidity is 66%. Thermometer falling 101.6. Light rain in Moose Jaw, 2 degrees. Winds are calm. Once again, Regina cloudy in 4. That's 39 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, mcdougalauctions.com, and brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. If you do the grocery shopping for your family and you think prices are going up, you're not imagining it. Even the president of Kraft Heinz, Miguel Patricio says food prices are the highest they've been in about 10 years as the ongoing pandemic is having an impact on every aspect of the food distribution system. For those families directly affected by the pandemic over the past 19 months, it's becoming a real struggle to keep themselves and their families fed. The Food Rescue Group Second Harvest released the findings of a year-long study on food insecurity in Canada. Spokesman Lori Nichols says the study found there are more than 61,000 nonprofit groups providing food to Canadians in need. She says that's four times the number of grocery stores in Canada. Nichols says it's an issue that Canadians need to be concerned about. The cycle of poverty is often a downward spiral, and the biggest impacts can usually be found at the kitchen table. We know from our research that 52 million people can be fed with Canada's food production. A massive surplus, considering the population of 38 million. And yet we continue to waste over 50% of all that food. We have a serious problem in our country's food system. It shows that there are roadblocks for making food accessible and abundant on the tables of every Canadian. And instead, it's ending up in landfill where it harms our planet that Canada has four times more nonprofits than grocery stores. Providing food tells us that food access is a much bigger problem in our country than anyone realizes, and it's one that is getting worse. Second Harvest's investigation also showed that in 2020, about 6.7 million Canadians relied on this invisible food network. That represents about 20% of our population, roughly equivalent to the population of Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta combined. What's more, if you place a dollar value on the amount of food being distributed through these organizations, last year alone, it was $33 billion. That would make them the second largest grocery store in Canada. That's Lori Nickel with Second Harvest talking about some of the findings in a year-long study on food insecurity across Canada. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com.
Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were showing some downward movement this past week. Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist Natasha Wilkie says volume was up and some prices were reflecting the numbers. Well, once again, it's that time of year, so we saw some prices go up while others dropped. Uh, any price any price increases we did see happened with the heavier weight categories. And so this is especially true for the feeder steer prices. And so they were noticeably, noticeably lower in the lower to mid-weight categories, but steady Steady, like I said, in those heavier weight categories. And so prices there ranged from $267.86 per hundred weight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category to $182.50 per hundred weight for the 900 plus pound weight category. And so the largest price increase we saw was in the 800 to 900 pound weight category with prices going up 36 cents. And so they ended the week averaging $193.61 per hundred weight. The largest price decrease we saw was in the 500 to 600 pound weight category with those guys going down $7.67 per hundred weight. So they ended the week averaging $217. And then when we look at the heifers, the average weekly prices, they were mainly lower, I guess, across the report weight categories. And so prices there ranged from $212 per hundred weight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category to $175 for the 800 plus pound weight category. And so the only price increase we saw for the heifers was in the 700 to 800 pound weight category with those girls going up 99 cents per hundred weight. And so they ended the week averaging $179.96. The largest price decrease we saw was in the 300 to 400 pound weight category and those girls went down $8.29 per hundred weight. And what were the main factors affecting the feeder cattle market this past week? Well, once again, volumes are our biggest factor. I think we can definitely say the fall runs happening out there. The higher weight categories probably stayed steady. Just my guess is that the supply of yearlings is starting to dwindle, so those heavier weight calves coming in is starting to dwindle. The good thing we saw this past week was the feeder futures markets. It was an increase, so week over week increase, I guess. So let's hope that plays into the cash market next week. <laughs> and what were marketings? So Canfax reported a total of 23,970 head of cattle sold in Saskatchewan last week. And that's up quite a bit from the just just under 17,000 head the previous week. And again, quite a bit higher than the 17,333 head marketed during the same week in 2020. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? So they edged lower again this week because the price for Alberta-fed steers, it ended the week at $157.26 per hundred weight. And so that's a drop of 45 cents. When we look at the cull cow market, we saw the price of D2 slaughter cows went down $2.23 per hundred weight. So they ended the week averaging $79.17. The price of D3 slaughter cows saw a price decline of $1.71 per hundred weight. And so they ended the week averaging $69.43 per hundred weight. Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist Natasha Wilkie compiles the weekly cattle market update for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. And Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola rose 210 at 876.62. Number one red spring wheat fell 395 at $400.37. The rest were unchanged. Durham 682.53. Feed barley 324.65. Flax 1232.41. Lentils 1036.50. Oats 445.53. 
Yellow peas, five forty-four eighty-nine. Feed wheat, two sixty-one sixty-five. On the Minneapolis Exchange this morning, hard red spring wheat for December fell eleven and a quarter cents at nine forty-three and three-quarter cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest livestock quotes. Assiniboia Livestock had a regular sale on October 6th. Prices have come up a couple cents from our last sale. Heiferet sold from 115 to 123 D1 and D2 cows sold from 77 to 85 cents. D3 cows sold from 65 to 76 cents. And slaughter bulls sold from ninety-seven to a dollar ten. This is Jordan Stevens with the Cinnaboy Livestock Market Report. Have a great ranching day. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is both brand and moose chop plants. One ninety-nine sixty-four per CKG. Coming up, the resource report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. And brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. It could soon cost more to heat your homes in Saskatchewan. Sask Energy's application for a rate hike is being supported by the province's rate review panel. The proposed increase, if approved by the provincial government, is 28% to 12.78 cents per cubic meter, which is $3.20 per gigajoule. In its application, Sask Energy indicated that the proposed increase was designed to recover the higher forward costs of gas from November 1, 2021 to October 31, 2023. Sask Energy purchases natural gas on the open market and passes on the cost of natural gas to customers at the same price it pays to suppliers, including all expenses. The cost of providing natural gas to consumers this coming year is forecast to be higher than the current rate of 9.98 cents per cubic meter. The increase is also aimed to eliminate the outstanding balance in the gas cost variance account by the end of October 2023. On average, residential customers would see an increase of $74 per year. Small commercial customers would see an average rise of $361 a year. Large commercial customers would see an average increase of $4,713. On the markets today, the TSX is up 113 points at 20550 The Dow has fallen 73 points at 34304 Oil is up 30 cents at $80.94 a barrel. The Canadian dollar has risen 18 one-hundredths of a cent at 80.38 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.